Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode six of Maroon and Bold. Your home for everything CMU sports related. I'm Central Michigan Sports Editor Mitch Fosberg. Quick little breakdown here of what to expect this week in CMU sports. Obviously, today is a big day for college hoops. We got a back um, men's team travels to Missouri at 8 p.m. That can be seen on SEC Network Plus, or of course on the CMU Sports Network Radio. Women's team. At home today against Georgia Tech at 6 p.m. tip-off. Uh, Georgia Tech comes in at number 17. Uh, should be a tough test. Uh, former CMU assistant Muriel Page returns to CMU. It should be a fun one as the Chippewas clash with the Yellow Jackets. CMU volleyball coming off to a loss, fair losses to Ball State. We'll talk with Mr. Sean Chase about that fairly soon. They're home again this weekend. Uh, compare matches on Friday and Saturday. Saturday's game set for 6 p.m. Sorry, Friday's game set for 6 p.m. Saturday's game set for 4 p.m. Both those games at home in McGurk Arena and can be seen on ESPN3. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the Victory Cannon has come home to Mount Pleasant. CMU knocking off Western Michigan last week, 42-30. to just an incredible, credible game. Of course, Steph, reporter Chris Spur and I talk about that. Talk about Wednesday's game against Kent State. That's set for 8 p.m. kickoff at Kelly Short Stadium. And we also talk about the rest of Mac so far going forward. But let's stop rambling. Let's talk some semi volleyball with Mr. Sean Chase. Well, Sean, we're down to our final three matches. This has kind of flown by, hasn't it? Sure. So me now is uh, Central Michigan Life staff reporter and volleyball beat writer Sean Chase. Sean, happy Monday. It's going to get up to 60 and then go to pure Michigan weather. How are we feeling today? Oh, I didn't know it was going to get to 60, but that makes me happy. I'm not ready for this snow, I'll be honest with you. I am not either, but talking volleyball here. Last weekend, we knew we knew going in this uh, Ball State, I don't know how their state still, I don't get it. Um, we, knew they were, we knew how good they were. Yes. They're right in a hot win streak. One of the hottest teams in the country. Uh... A pair of 3-1 losses, but at least what I could pick up on, it sounded like they at least competed. Yes, is that true? Yeah, they definitely competed. Going into it, everybody knew Ball State, like you said, is the best team in the country, or at least in the MAC. They have the most wins in the country following the two wins over CMU this weekend. But we gave them everything they could handle. That first match, we pushed them. They took the first two, we pushed back for the third. And the second one, it was a 1-1 tie, and then Ball State ran away with it. But we also, we kind of knew that was coming. Their offensive firepower is next level. So as of right now, uh, Ball State, uh, somehow they are a state, 24-3, and 14-1 the conference, undefeated at home, ranked hot winning streak. But you got three matches left, two against Toledo, and one at home against Eastern. Chat me up quickly about uh, Toledo. What do they bring to the table? What challenges do you have? They're a better team than I thought going into the season. I never really gave Toledo a lot of credit. They're sitting at 18-9 and nine right now. 9-6 and six in the MAC, and it's going to be the same problem as what Ball State provided. We've got to find a way to get through the block. If we can hit around the block with Savannah Thompson, who struggled in the second half of that second match this weekend, we should be okay. Right on. Uh, so, three matches left here. Obviously, I think MAC tournament, I think it's top, it's been top six. Yes, sir. It's kind of out of the picture at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've tried to do the math in my head. I'm not a mathematician by any means, but even if we went out, I don't think we're going to be close enough to actually get in the tournament. Which is kind of a bummer for a team that was projected to win the conference preseason, but 
you know, just what do you think? What do you think the bugaboo of this team has been so far this season? Consistency. They get on these runs where they put teams down, and then all of a sudden they let up. If we could have found a way to, we could have beat Ball State if we would have just stepped on their throat in that moment that we had. I think that, and the goal, like I said, it getting terminal. They constantly struggle to make balls hit the floor. So that combination of inconsistent play and not making things happen, it put them here. So, so what would you would you hope to see all these last three matches? Obviously, two against Toledo this weekend, and then uh, next Wednesday, seventeenth home against Eastern. What are you looking to see out of those three matches? I just want to see some grit. I want to see them fight. I want to see them. Golic has said it all year. We're a better team than what we are showing. I want to see that this weekend. I want to see them go and slap Toledo in the mouth. Yeah, we may not get in the MEC tournament, but we can play like the Lions and upset up people's playoff pictures. I'm okay with that. So. Well, you know, you got to win, I guess. But, you know, so True. be it. But, Sean, any last final thoughts before we sign off on this sunshiny Monday? Just be ready because anything can happen this weekend. Toledo is coming to McGurk, and CMU Volleyball does not lose in McGurk, so. Love to see you. That was staff reporter Sean Chase. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Big thanks to Mr. Sean Chase talking some CMU volleyball. Now, let's shift to some CMU women's basketball talk. Let's sit down with Miss Ashley Berkness. All right, join me now to talk some CMU women's hoops. She's not talking field hockey this weekend. Thank you. We're both excited <laughs> about that. Miss Ashley Berkness. Ashley, welcome back. Happy Monday. How are we feeling? Pretty good. Good, glad to hear. So, Thursday, uh, exhibition match against Saginaw Valley State. I know some fans probably thought, like, oh, psh, can't walk. Um, that would have not being the case. Um, CMU squeaked out a 6-9-67 win. Chant me up about the game. How did this get so tight, and how did CMU women's hoops look? Yeah, so, the beginning, you know, Saginaw Valley, they just, they came out and they were firing. I think Coach mentioned something about how, Saginaw Valley has a lot of local people, so them going to Saginaw and coming to Central being like, we want to beat Central, you know, because they are so local. And then Central, they started off pretty good, you know, and then that second quarter, they kind of just took off with it. And then at the end, I don't know if they got too comfortable or what happened, but Saginaw Valley came back, and but Central was able to bring it home. How big, how big was that senior lead at one point? It was like, what, like 15? 15, 16, yeah. <sighs> Jeez. Yeah. You get surprised to see that team blow that kind of lead? Yeah, you know, especially after last year. But, you know, they have a they have a young team. So it was not surprising, but then also surprising because they are so young and a lot of them haven't had that much experience. Yeah, which can't bring something to the next point, obviously. Uh, Michaela Kelly, Kira Bussell, Maddie Waters, all gone. Yeah. The minutes are, you know, production you can't replace, but you have to replace the minutes. Who are a couple of young players that you saw? I mean, I know, I, I understand, you know, exhibition game, there's probably the first collegiate game. Probably a little nerve, probably set his nerves going, yeah. but, like, who are some young players that kind of caught your eye? Um, Rachel Jovi, you know, she stood out to me. Um, gosh, uh, what was her name? She's number three. Can't remember. All right, quick media. I want the roster at the schedule. Fathom's got number three. Hannah Knoll. Yes, yes. She seemed pretty promising. Um, Coach talked a little bit about her as well, about how she 
she was there. She just needed to slow down a little bit, and the nerves definitely got to Anna. So, yeah. Gotcha. So, as we're talking here, as this comes out, Tuesday night, number 17 ranked Georgia Tech. Yeah. Whew. I mean, I love I love Heather, now Tony Barbanza's approach of playing a good, very strong non-conference, mm-hmm. which I love to see to death, but... Chat me up about this game Tuesday. What's the actual expectation for seeing you walking into the number 17 team in land? I think just to have confidence, you know. Just go into having that confidence and thinking, like, this is going to be a tough game, but we can do it, you know. They worked pretty well together. They just need to relax and slow down and be there for each other and just have that confidence in each other as well. Gotcha. And then... Obviously, Sunday, 2 o'clock, at Valparaiso. I'm just going to call it Valpo because I don't used to pitch there. Um, what do you know so much about Valparaiso and just what's it going to mean just to get that first road game knocked out? I think um, being on the road and then a lot of these young young players, they haven't had that much experience. And then coming from off of these two home with like the home games with uh, fans there and then going on the road to Valpo's fans – I think that might have an effect on the playing, and I think they just really need to keep it in their head of we're here to play our best and play our game. Gotcha. And, and I know we'll, we'll talk with Noah about this too, but I know you were at the men's game on Friday. Yeah. Right? What did you think of uh, that first look with Tony Barbie's squad? Wow. They just took and ran with it. It was pretty cool. It's kind of where you figured the exhibition should yeah. go. But, I mean, it's so be it. But maybe just me, but, like, the one guy I'm good with, I think I'm going to love watching is Oscar Lopez Jr. I don't remember him or not. I think so. I hope I said that right. There's 12 new names on here. Yeah. And like, I'm, tr- I'm trying, trying hard to, to like remember these names, but I also yeah. know I'll graduate in December, so it's like, <laughs> it's kind of hard to like really like dig in like yeah. I normally do because uh, make sure I said that right. Oscar Lopez, yes. Mm-hmm. Oscar Lopez Jr. out of Cypress, California. He's six four. I was trying to think of the right comparison. I think Marcus Smart is the right one because the dude does basically everything. Lockdown on defense. Can get to the hole, shoot yeah. three. He's a great vocal leader. But I mean, who are some other guys on that squad that really impressed you? Um, I think I can't remember any of the names. Guess this new roster. Yeah. I got I got wrestle pull up here. Just pull me the number because I know I'm struggling too. Gosh, it was a lower number. Was it zero ten? This is Ted W. Jermaine Jackson Jr., the grad student out of Long Island U and originally from Detroit, Michigan. Me? He caught fire off the bench. Yeah. Macomb, Dakota alum. Um, I don't remember exactly how many he had. I think he got close to 20, but yeah, obviously. Um, you know, I think honestly this discussion really caps off the fact that we're still trying to learn these names. Oh, yeah. Like, the rush turnover <laughs> in the men's squad is insane. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just so weird. You see it. It's, you see the turnover in college sports. But I think with basketball, the, tur- the turnover that they had, you never see this. Yeah. It's, as you can tell, it's probably frustrating for fans. And it's, 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 I won't say frustrating. It's a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. Like trying yeah. to get all these names, new names down. Trying mm-hmm. to learn these new stories. But yeah. But anything else you want to give your chest about the basketball programs before we sign off here, Ashley? Um, go out and watch them. They're exciting to watch. So exciting. Absolutely. Obviously, a women's team you can watch in your future. The men's team you can't watch at home until nope. December. F- so uh, December fifth, I believe, against yeah. you, uh, one of the Illinois teams. But Ashley, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Monday if you can. If that's even a thing. <laughs> yeah.
Big thanks to Miss Ashley Bergness. Again, you can catch CMU Women's Basketball at home Tuesday, November November 9th against Georgia Tech at 6 p.m. They're also on the road at 2 p.m. on Sunday, November 14th at Valparaiso. Uh, should be fun games to watch, but let's talk some men's hoops now. A little more men's hoops with Mr. Noel Wolbert. <laughs> All right, we talked with Ashley on the women's side. Now let's talk about the men's side here with Mr. Noah Wolbrook. Noah, first of all, happy Monday. Happy you, Monday to you as well. You're dripping out per usual, which I love so much about you. But uh, this game Friday against Olivet, um, obviously um, what you expect out of an exhibition match between a Division I school and an NAIA team. Um, talk to me about this game against Olivet. Just kind of what were your thoughts to the whole thing and uh, what you, what you see you trying to do so far this season? So definitely when they started off the game, you know, there's 12 new players on the team. So you expect definitely a little bit of a learning curve. First half, first probably about 10 minutes of the game, it was pretty even between both Olivet and CMU. Definitely you could see that the team, they had been playing together, but they have not played any other opponent besides themselves in practice. Yeah. So you could definitely see that coming out. but. Once they started to find their groove a little bit and get a couple of stops on defense, then you could really see the team flowing as a Division One school should against that rank of a team. Yeah, true. Then, uh, I can't remember what his name was, but there's a one dude off Olivet's bench, like, from California, covered in ink. He yeah. had, like, three straight threes off the bench and just, like, was ready to tear down the whole building. And then, of course, the 12-minute media timeout in the first half hit. <laughs> but... Yeah. But um, who are a couple of players to think of this crap right now? Like, who kind of um, impressed you a little bit? I know when we talked to Ashley, I talked a lot about Oscar Lopez Jr., but mm -hmm. who kind of caught your eye? Uh, definitely Oscar Lopez Jr., but I'll, I'll find a couple of new new names here. Um, I really think the freshman point guard, Kevin um, Miller. Boopy. He controlled himself very well on the, on the court, especially starting the game. Being a freshman, that's a that's a hard job to do, especially with a lot of older guys on the roster. I think there's only two true freshmen this year. Yeah, um, that's a that's a big role to be chucked out there to start the game, especially with such a new squad. But he composed himself at the at the beginning. He was a little shaky, as one would be in their first college game, but he really controlled himself. He took smart shots, ones that he knew he could make. Made some nice passes. I think he had five assists, which led the team. Um, he really impressed me coming out of the gate. I'll tell you what, though, with Miller, too. I can't remember last time Simi had a starting point guard that's a freshman on the men's yeah. side. It's, I honestly can't. Maybe Braylon Racing, but that's a stretch. Yeah, that's it's probably been a while because CMU's not one to get a freshman talent that's ready to start kind of like that. It's been Juco the past three years, mm -hmm. which has been, hey, this is where we're at now, so... Yeah, so be it. Um, maybe it's just me. And I love these tall, big European guys that can stretch the floor. But and and, and maybe it's because his name I love too, Miroslav Stafel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had some foul trouble early, but this dude's just fun to watch. Yeah, he down in the paint. I mean, when he got the ball, even after he made his first couple of shots, you could already tell. Like when he gets that ball in the area, he's looking to score, and you're pretty confident that he's going to make that bucket. Um, he's big guy. I think six eleven. I want to see he's listed at six ten, six eleven, somewhere in there. Yeah. So he's he's a he's a big force down there. He's a big body. I think that'll help against some of these 
this upcoming schedule of these really big teams, not in just size, but as in their play, um, like Gonzaga, Missouri, they're going to have some big dudes on the court that can really affect the defensive end, and to have these big, tall guys down there with them might kind of ease that a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of nice to actually have some size down low instead of like with uh... – with Keno's teams, you know, they were they try to shoot a lot to try and, try and be great athletes, but their starting five was maybe six seven, six eight. Yeah. When you have four guys now, they're about six ten, six eleven. It's kind of nice to have that depth, especially the it size is. wise. It really is, and especially having the depth with guys. They all have very different playing styles. All all the big guys, um, Miroslav, more of a post up, beat you down kind of player. Uh, Andre Polk, kind of more of like a, he'll take some middies. He'll grab some rebounds, a little bit more athletic. And then uh, Caleb Hodgson, uh, you know, he shot, I think, five three-pointers. Yeah, that sounds about right. If you really need him to come off the bench, bench and stretch the floor, then you have that too. And then Harrison Henderson too, I also thought looked good. Yeah. He could do a lot of things. But looking at the schedule now for this week. Um, Tuesday, the kids start things off at Missouri. Shocking, a CBC season starts in Columbia, Missouri. Who would have thought that, huh? Yeah. Um, and then Saturday at DePaul in Chicago. Obviously, there's a difference when you're playing Missouri and Olivet. Yes. But what's your expectation going in this first game here? I think, I mean, it's after seeing them play Olivet, it's still very cloudy because it's not really a good representation of what this team is going to do against uh, talent that's at their level or a little higher. So it's kind of hard to predict, but... I think after, I was a little worried about team chemistry. I was definitely worried about how that would play with all these new faces. But after watching the Olivet game and how they kind of picked up the flow and definitely towards the end, I can see that's not going to be as big of an issue as I maybe had originally thought. But I, I still am not sure. I, I'd like, I think they're going to be competitive. They're going to play hard, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But score-wise, I really have no gauge. Yeah, it's going to be weird because um, Barbie mentioned it too when you talked with Christian about a week or two ago that, like, you know, offensive end, you know, all, you know offensive end of the floor, we're, we're not worried about that. It's about playing defense, rebounding, playing physical, which has been the identity that Simi has been lacking, right, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a big thing with Simi, obviously, rebounding was always an issue with Keno Davis and defense. But, you know, kudos to Tony Barbie for realizing those were the things that needed to be fixed and for attacking that. But, before we start up this week, Noah, any last thoughts you need to get up your chest? Um, I'm excited. I am especially excited for this upcoming DePaul game because if I'm not wrong, Romeo Weems, I think, is still a part of that squad. Unless he transferred. Oh, wait, no. No, he's not. He's uh, He did some stuff for the Memphis Grizzlies. Never mind. Alrighty. But that's all. All right. Hey, Jackson Jr., though. He's got, he's got, he's a bucket. I'm excited to see how he goes the rest of the season. They have a lot of guys. I think it'll be super exciting, and I can't wait. Yeah. Noah, thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated, man. Thank you. Big thanks to Mr. Noah Wolbrock again. CMU takes on Missouri. Wherever heard that before? Um, 8 p.m. Tuesday. Can be seen on SEC Network Plus. Uh, also Saturday, November 13th at 6 p.m. CMU stays on the road. Get used to that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, traveling to Chicago, Illinois to take on DePaul. Tip-off is set for 6 p.m. and can be seen on FS2 and, of course, can be heard on the CMU Sports Radio Network. And, of course, you can follow our coverage all weekend long. But 
Let's let's talk some CMU football with Mr. Christian Boer. Joining us now via the Maroon and Bold Zoom call because uh, he's got a little case of sniffly sniffly's here. Staff before you, Mr. Christian, we're Christian. Hope you're feeling okay on a Monday. It's a gorgeous day, stuck inside though. How are we feeling? Yeah, no, I'm feeling good, man. I'm I'm doing the best I can. I'm hunkered down, but uh, besides the point, I'm um, just ready to talk some football, man. Big week. Hey, we got to talk some football big time because uh, we were talking about this game last week. You were picking Western Elstock on Central, and who uh, was it right? Yeah, no, you absolutely were. Uh, I didn't. I and. And, you know, you with your score prediction, I'd say you probably predicted something at least resembling that. But, I mean, I did not expect Central Michigan to come out in that second half and just dog walk the Broncos. I mean, they were manhandling them there at the end of that football game. It just was clear that one team was in it to win it, and the other one kind of just had uh, seeded and said, hey, here you go, take it. Yeah, so talking about that game, obviously it was 14 nothing earlier in the second, Marshall Meter. Bit of his yips may have came back, missed two field goals. You know what? So be it. Uh, you know, it could have been 14 6, it could have been 14 14. I think we knew coming in the issue with Western was going to be their red zone defense. It looked like they buckled in. And then, um, and then Khalil Pumpleton said, <laughs> um, 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 you know, hold my Gatorade essentially, because I can't say anything I want to say because, well, so be it. But, you know, his first punt return for a touchdown, 70 yards, gets 11 yard pass after a sweet Lou Nichols run. And then another punt return, he scored for three seconds left to go up 21-14. Central never trailed again after that. I know, we always, in my opinion with football, like one player doesn't win you a game. Well, Khalil Pimpleton kind of single-handedly put that team back in, back in the driver's seat by halftime. No, I agree with you. One team can't, or one player can't win you a game, just like one play can't win you a game but it can do a heck of a lot for your momentum and your confidence. And that's exactly what happened with Pimpleton on Wednesday night. He just, you know, as he talked about in the press conference, Hey man, give me three seconds to return this punt and I'll do the rest. And I think his teammates seeing him do that. It's like, all right, yeah, we're back in this uh, because that offense had hit a little bit of a snag um, after those first two drives that resulted in no points. I mean, um, as somebody who played high school football and obviously high school football is nothing like college. It's nothing like a rivalry game on national television, but when you make good drives and they stall out and you come up empty, it starts to get in your head and it starts to think, well, if we're playing this well and can't come up with anything, like what, 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 what else can we do? You know, you're moving the ball all the way between the twenties. And then when you get to the twenties, you can't do anything. And you start to kind of develop that mental roadblock. And when you see Khalil Pimpleton, uh, one play goes 70 yards and gets you on the board. Then all of a sudden you start to find a rhythm. And then Lou Nichols has that long run. And then you hit KP and you're tied. And then when they got the thing to 14-14, it's essentially 0-0 after that. And they just, I mean, it was like a whole a whole different team after that first play. It really was. Obviously, so that man in the second half, 42-30. This is the first time he saw a senior win that victory cannon. How'd that feel for you? You know, it was something, man. I remember the last time they won it. Um, I was a junior in high school. I watched the game on TV. I, I had a friend. Um, my neighbor's great-grandson go went to Western, graduated from Western. He was a student at Western at the time, and I remember talking to him. I remember texting him saying, hey, uh, you're going down tonight. And he used um, a rather profane phrase to describe the Chippewas. And then uh, I didn't even have to text him at the end of the game because 
uh, what's, what's understood doesn't have to be explained. So, um, yeah, no, it was cool to see it in person and cover it though. Um, and, uh, it just reminded me of, uh, some shenanigans that went on there. What was it four years ago, uh, in a similar atmosphere on national television. It was something else. Also, also the last time they won, I was actually at the game, but a friend of mine had, uh, one too many non-family friendly beverages she kind of snuck in the game and we had to leave at halftime, but no, but also let's talk about the Mac West for a second here. Yeah. You remember a couple of weeks ago, I wrote that article saying like, you know, CB's path to win the West. Yes, I did. Yes. Well, I did. Everything, well everything I said that needed to happen in that week happened. All CB at Akron, Eastern sweet, easy Eastern had one interception to Quan Finn that wound up winning on that game and Kent state top NIU in, in Dick stadium. So a, I'm feeling kind of cool about that, but B, it's week 11 now. Man, CMU, Kent State. You know, if CMU wins against NIU, this is a game that honestly is a toss-up. And, like, you know, obviously you don't want a conference loss, but when you lose playing a team in the East, it's a little different than standing-wise. However, both, I think – if you're central, you can't lose this game. I think Kent State can afford a loss, but central cannot afford a loss at this point. Their margin of error is gone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's sad because that's self-inflicted. I mean, you're talking about a slow start. The Miami game, I don't know. Miami's a pretty solid team. They're pretty good. But, and so is Northern Illinois, but Northern Illinois, you had them beat. I mean, you're a good snap away from being, what, 4-1 and one in the conference and being in the driver's seat. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's self-inflicted, and that's really just too bad because – um, obviously, you know, those, those kinds of things you don't want to happen. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. It is what it is. And you're right. They have no margin for error. They got to win out. And that starts with, uh, Kent state. Yep. Well, it flashes the team. You were really, really high on start of the season. I was high on them too, but you know, just tap me up here about the golden flashes and the Mr. Dustin Crummett quarterback. Yeah, I know. You're absolutely right. When you say that I was high on them, so high on them. In fact, I picked them not just to win the East, but to win the Mac as a whole. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the Mac traditionally is a conference that's won by good quarterback play and won by good offensive play. And I mean, they've got that and Dustin Crumman and the offense that scores, Oh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 34, maybe 35 points a game. That's just off the top of my head. Um, but they've got plenty of playmakers out wide um, really for me, it's just about controlling pace and that's what they do so well. They play so fast. They don't give you any time to catch up. And, uh, for that reason, I'm looking at central Michigan secondary in this matchup as we, I mean, you and I, it seems like one of us is always picking the secondary as the place to watch for these games. Uh, but I think it's pretty evident in this one because you're going to get this, you're going to see a team that plays at a tempo similar to what LSU played at, uh, when you went down there and got pounded in week three, obviously, they're not going to be as good as LSU, um, but you're going to see a team that goes fast and they take a lot of shots down the field. Um, this isn't a team that's going to dink and dunk you to death, kind of like what Western tried to do uh, last Wednesday night. No, this is going to be a team that is going to attack you vertical early and often. And uh, I mean, my, I'm looking at you, Mike Zordich, uh, CMU secondary coach, because uh, this one's kind of on you. You know, I'll be honest, like you mentioned, dink and dunk thing. I think the secondary has improved. Yes. Um, that being said, you know, I thought, man, they looked really good in space last week. They've looked really good in space the past few weeks. But no one can stay in what they're capable of. They're going to give up two or three deep balls. Every school will. 
every school well. Seniors, no exception. But if they could continue to make plays in space, to have those small little bubble screens that have the potential to pop big, to hold them one or two yards, that secondary is going to be just fine. Like, they've taken a lot of big steps this year, I think. Kansas is going to be a big chat. This secondary plays a strong game against Kent State. I think the defense is solidified fully. But that's, that's, that's what it's going to have to take. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm looking at the, the stats right now. So Kent State's 31.6 points per game. Actually not number one or even number two in the conference. They're number four. Uh, Eastern Michigan at 35 points a game um, is the number one scoring offense in the MAC. But also the problem with Kent State is, is that they played Iowa and Texas A&M uh, to start the year. And when you play two teams with defenses like that, guess what? Uh, not great. So, um, I think they scored what 10 in the Texas A&M game and maybe nine in the Iowa game. Um, but regardless, I mean, that's no excuse now. I think that it was 10 against Texas A&M seven against Iowa, my bad. Uh, but no, they, that offense is certainly capable of, of really lighting it up. And like you said, I agree that they were good in space. Central Michigan's corners. That is, they were real good in space. Um, especially Dante Kent, who's come so far since the beginning of this year, really since last year. Um, but I, like I said, I said, I think the challenge is, is limiting those deep balls. You, you nailed it right on the head. They, they're going to give up a couple. They're going to give up a couple. They're probably going to give up a big touchdown. Um, it's about what you do after. It's about how you respond. And uh, that's where it really, that's where everything lies for, for me, man. I think that's the key is responding because, you know, to quote um, a large purple man in a movie about superheroes, they're inevitable. Kent State's inevitable. Um, they, they're they going to do what they do, and it's just about limiting what they do and uh, how you respond to it. Yeah, so here's my thing with Kent State. And, and I talked about this with Aaron Gimmel on, on Sports Night Conduct, which if you're listening to that podcast, give it a listen. I've been on now the last two weeks filming for Megan Youngblood. But Aaron made the point about Kent State's defense being good. I'm like, are we sure about this? About the Kent defense? I mean, let's go over these game Mac games real quick. <laughs> Kent State beats Bowling Green 27-20. They beat Buffalo 48-38. Lose to Western 64-31. Mind you, that second half, Kent State gave up 27 points in the third and 14 in the fourth. Yeesh. They beat Ohio 34-27 and beat NAU 52-47. And... They're up by 18. I almost blew it. Like, yeah, I get it. Kansas State offensively is great, but defensively, I am not sold at all. No. Especially, especially the way Western's since almost Western, what the heck? The way Central's been able to run the ball as a late, that's going to be a problem. If you could eat clock and if you can match, if you can match their fireworks and eat up clock, you have a fighting shot at this thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not 100% certain. Uh, and, and with all due respect to Aaron, obviously, I just I'm not sure where that is coming from when it comes to um, that defense being good. I mean, they're last in total or they're last in total defense and they're second to last in scoring defense. Um, you know, they've given up almost 2000 yards. Oh, they've given up 2600 yards through the air and they've given up 1700 on the ground. Um, if they're not careful, that number. We'll get to 2,000 this week if they're not careful. That and the the passing yards could get to 
3,000. They're tw- they're 2695 right now, and Central Michigan's coming in quietly with the number one passing offense in the MAC. I mean, Daniel Richardson, say what you want about him. He's totally revitalized the squad, man. I mean, 305, I don't think is out of the which by the way, 305, I gotta say it. Shout out to Miami uh in D Rich. I mean, you see him every once in a while throw up the 305. That's where he's from. So if he equals that. I mean, all of a sudden, Kent State's going to cross the 3,000-yard plateau uh, for passing yards allowed. So that'll be interesting, man. Yeah, I just, I've never really seen a juxtaposition like that where your team can be so good offensively and your defense, you know, you go up against them every day in practice and they're just so bad. So here's my thing with CBL and stretches. This is why I call that shot with them winning out. Mm-hmm. With this defense now with Troy Brown, McQuan Johnson, backs different beasts, right? Troy Brown, we've said it for years. That's a heartbeat of that defense. Well, not only that, but now you are about four or five deep at linebacker, comfortably, in my opinion, but Gwilly getting in there when you need to. That D-line looked a heck of a lot better last week with, uh, who was it, uh, Whiteside? Woods Whiteside? Or John yes. Wesley Whiteside? Yeah. Yeah. That secondary hang tight. That defense is no joke. No. Honestly, I said this too on Sportsman. I'm going to say it again. That loss to NAU was the best thing that could have happened to this team, the way they lost it. As weird as that sounds, you have a team of 70 freshmen, all right? Yeah, that's true. What is the one thing we're seeing that young teams can't do? Young teams can't keep their foot on the gas for the entire game. We saw it with CU women's basketball. So that game, honestly, going to that in the bye week showed that you cannot ease up for a second. And look what they did against Western. They bullied them second half, pushed them around, as you said, Took their lunch, man. I'm saying, man, I don't put their face in the dirt, didn't apologize for it. Yeah, no, this they... team clicked in that bye week. That is honestly the moment that this team has clicked. So let's get the slate of Mac games because we have to be around with them a little bit. Let's talk about the Tuesday slate with the Mac. Miami hosting Buffalo, Miami seven point favorite. Who do you like? You know, I, I drank the Buffalo Kool Aid pretty hard on Mo Linguist. However, I think this is a get right game for Miami. I just Buffalo got rolled by Bowling Green, which I wasn't really ready for. Um, so give me Miami and give me them to cover that seven as well. Give me Buffalo points. I want to call Buffalo upset here. Miami has not impressed me in the past few weeks. And Buffalo is just a team that it's just it's so hit or miss. But when they hit, it could be a problem. So I think Miami wins, but, but Buffalo covers. Next game here. This is going to be really interesting. Akron at Western Michigan. Western Michigan is a 26-point favorite. Christian, who you got here? Akron with the points. Um, I'm not 100%. I'm not going to say Akron wins this game, but I am going to say they play inspired. Uh, just fired their coach, Tom Arthur. I mean, maybe it's just me being op- the, the eternal optimist to me, but I really thought he was onto something with this group. Uh, just because of how pesky they were last year and the limited amount of time they got to play. Um, and then obviously uh, should have beat Ball State. He fumbled on the goal line on what would have been the game when he touched down. Uh, and then somehow they cut ties the next day. So, um, no, I think they play inspired. Uh, from what I've read, this is a interim head coach that they really like and somebody who could have an inside track on the job. Um, also, while we're at it, we – just want to get my two cents out there. I think uh, former CMU offensive coordinator Charlie Fry might be uh, coming back to town here in a little bit. Uh, but no, give me Akron with the points, but I'll take Western to win it outright. Give me Akron outright. 
<laughs> Here's why. You mentioned about Akron's coach, right? Yes. Maybe playing inspired and no one's counting them out. If I'm Tim Lest, if I'm if I'm Western Michigan right now and I lost uh, these games the way I have, let's think about it here. Two years ago, had a chance to win the Mac West last day of the year. You lost to the NIU. Central gets in. Okay, we'll go we'll get them next year, right? Well, they lost it again the last day to Ball State. Okay, well, you come in the season. Okay, Rizzo defense is fixed. We have Kip Elevator. He's great, right? We still have a good running, good running game. Great old line. Here you are on the mat. You look good against Kent State. All of a sudden, Ball State, you crap out second half. Toledo, you crap out second half. You're 14 nothing on CMU. Your arch-rival team, Lester, has dominated, by the way, except for 17. Has dominated that rivalry. And yet they allowed 42 of the last 58 points of that game. He was 42-30. Embarrassed. Last five minutes of the second half. Changed that game forever. If Western Western's kind of reeling here, and Akron is a team with nothing to lose. And you know my phrase, the most dangerous team to play is a team with nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. If Akron pulls this off, Lester's, the hot seat for Leicester turns nuclear in that instant. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't think they lose this game, but if they do, I think heads are going to roll. I do. I think so. Um, Eastern hosting Ohio, Eastern by six. Who do you like here? Yeah, I'm all in on Eastern now. Um, after beating Toledo, uh, another team that you were pretty high on. Um, and I think you're, I think I remember your take being as long as they learn how to finish, finish games, because uh, they've been so bad in one score games over the last few years. Um, and they figured it out. Uh, the, the Cincinnati transfer kid, Ben Bryant, um, he uh, loved to get his opinion on, on his uh, Bearcats being picked six in the CFP rankings. But um, no, uh, I give me the Eagles and the points. Ohio got a good win over Miami, but I think that a lot of that was charged from the rivalry and, you know, emotions run high. I think that, this is this just screams letdown game for me uh, and for the Bobcats. Yeah, give me Ohio. I think Eastern comes out flat here. That's a big win they got in Toledo. Mm-hmm. I think, and Ohio figured something out with that quick start against Miami. They figured something out, something clicked from that. And we've been, and you and I both know, like, they <clears throat> can't be waiting for that moment. And again, Eastern, these close games, the Mac can go any other way. I think Ohio's about to play. I think I, I think Ohio's about to, to definitely shatter Eastern's last slipper here. My personal opinion. Wednesday slate, Toledo at Bowling Green. Toledo, 10.5-point favorite. Who do you like here? Gosh, give me Bowling Green with the points. Um, I'm tempted to take them outright. I just – Toledo just can't figure it out. I mean, they scored a bunch of points, um, but they – I mean – they couldn't close against Eastern Bowling Green had a big win over Buffalo. Um, Scott Leffler uh, may have gotten things a little bit figured out. Matt McDonald's played really well. Uh, so give me Bowling Green with the points. You know what? Screw it. I'll take them out. Right. I'll take the Falcons outright over Toledo and Toledo slide continues. I think Jason Candle, you mentioned Tim Lester's seat getting hot. I think if they lose this one, Jason Candle might be headed out as well. Um, so like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's every day is black Friday. Now the Mac uh, with these losses because heads could roll at any time. So. And for the reasons you just mentioned, 
giving me uh, Toledo here. Jason Candle's coaching for his life right now, coaching for his job. I know Bowling Green looked real good against Buffalo, but I think there's a difference between Buffalo and Toledo. So give me Toledo here. Ball, how in the world are they a state against Northern Illinois and DeKalb? This is going to be, this is huge for the yeah. Mac West right now. If Ball State gets a win here, this Mac West opens right up for four teams. So who do you like? Uh, Ball State here by two and a half on the road. You know, as somebody, um, the student in me doesn't like Ball State, doesn't like Northern Illinois, but loves chaos. And the journalist in me also loves chaos. So for that reason, bring on all of the chaos. Give me Ball State. Give me Ball State by two touchdowns on Wednesday night. I'm looking for it. Ball State's experience core, they've been so hit or miss. I think things start to come together. I think for one night, a magical night in DeKalb, Ball State, everything comes together. They beat Northern Illinois by two touchdowns, and Central Michigan's dancing all over the field after the result that we're about to talk about against Kent State. Yeah, give me Ball State here. I think Ball State wins this in the last minute, but Drew Plitt trumps Rocky Lombardi. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty even, but it's a quarterback play the guy takes. So before we wrap this up, Kent State, CMU, CMU by two and a half. Who you like here, buddy? Give me the Chippewas. Um, we talked at length about Kent State's offense. Um, but, you know, just quickly going through, uh, I read the free press on Sundays and they do the little thing where it's when the Lions run the ball and it's the, the logo of either their team or the opponents as to who wins the matchup. Uh, Central Michigan, when they're on offense, I like the Chippewas. Central Michigan, when they're on defense, I like Kent State. But at the same time, the Chippewa defense is, is more equipped to play in these big high scoring games than Kent State's is because Central Michigan's defense has shown it's capable of getting stops. Central Michigan's pass rush is capable of getting to Dustin Crum and getting to the quarterback. Kent State, I mean, you look at their statistics and it's like they're a floor mat. I mean, almost 3,000 yards passing in nine games allowed. Do that math. I'm not, I'm not good enough at math to tell you how many yards that is per game, but I mean, when push comes to shove, I like the Chippewas, and I think the edge has to go on defense because these are two really good offenses and um, two defenses that that bend a lot. And I th- I just think that the Kent State defense will break um, as to where the Chippewas maybe are a little bit more malleable. That's your word of the day. Yeah, um, I'm telling you, I think it's sounds sports like I'm going to spoil that episode a little bit. First team to 50 wins, and that's going to be CMU. <laughs> Easy. I love Easy. it. First team to 50 does it. I mean, let's be honest. This could be a fireworks show at Mount Pleasant. It is. I, yeah. Anything else, anything else we get off? We, we've been around for a little while, but we got to wrap this up. Yeah, no, it's been good. This has been a good little bit of catharsis for me. I've enjoyed it. Love to see it. So until next time, that's Christian Boer. I'm Mitch Fosberg. And of course, for Sean Chase, Miss Ashley Perfness, and Mr. Noah Wilbrook. Triple fans, be safe.